Today on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, we start 2020 out with a bang and a Los Angeles Kings win. Plus, we take a look at World Juniors now that quarterfinals are coming up. All this and more on today's episode of Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So today is Wednesday, January 1st, and you are listening to Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we've got several milestones today. First off, it's January 1st. It is the start of a new year. It is 2020. So whatever whatever that means to you, whatever is important to you about the start of a new year, we're there. This is also episode number 60 of this very podcast, which is not like a huge milestone, but it is a nice round number. It ends with zero, much like our year now. So I wanted to take a moment to celebrate that as well. We've had 60 episodes of this show. Yeah, missed a handful thanks to holidays and, you know, computers being computers and things like, oops, I needed to sleep. But we have persevered and we have hit 60 shows here on Locked On Los Angeles Kings. And so thank you to all of you who have been along on this journey, whether you have been here since day one of this podcast, or whether this is your very first time listening to the show. I'm glad that you're here. And I'm glad that we can take this trip through the Los Angeles Kings season together. I am, of course, your host of Locked On Los Angeles Kings, Sarah Avampato, managing editor of Jewels from the Crown. And your tour guide for the King's season and what lies beyond. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about some of that future as we take a quick look again at World Juniors, which is entering the quarterfinals stage. And then, of course, we will take a look at last night's resounding win over the visiting Philadelphia Flyers. The Kings ended 2019 with a bang and made us all proud. But first, though, World Juniors. The preliminary round is finished and all of the seeding has begun for the quarterfinal round of the tournament. So if you aren't aware of how World Juniors does it, they start out with two groups, group A, group B, and then based off of seeding and everything, the teams play each other, group A and group B. Whoever wins their quarterfinal games continues on. Whoever doesn't win their quarterfinal game, well, that is it for them and their tournament is over. Sweden finished at the top of group A. Uh, They had four wins, no losses. They're the only team who was undefeated throughout the tournament. Canada finished at the top of group B with three wins and one loss. USA was second in group B with also three wins and one loss, uh, but Canada's wins all came in regulation. The US won one of their games in overtime. So the quarterfinal round starts tomorrow, January 2nd, and we will have Switzerland versus Russia, Canada versus Slovakia, the United States versus Finland, and Sweden versus the Czech Republic. So right now, all of the Kings prospects are still active in the tournament, but we will be saying goodbye to some of them after tomorrow's games. USA and Finland, we will either be saying goodbye to Turkot and Kaliev, or we'll be saying goodbye to Kim Nusjainen, and then Sweden and the Czech Republic. I'm just going to go ahead and say it, the Czech Republic is not going to win this game. So it will be Lucas Perik goodbye. Thank you for doing the best to represent your country. All of those games start very early. Uh, The relegation game between Germany and Kazakhstan actually starts at one o'clock in the morning Pacific time. So if you're up really, really late, you can actually probably see that one. Canada and Slovakia, the first game featuring a Kings player, starts at six o'clock in the morning Pacific. USA and Finland is at 8.30 Pacific. And Sweden and the Czech Republic is at 11 a.m. Pacific time. All of these games are going to be aired on the NHL Network, so you will be able to watch them all tomorrow. 
and see how our kids do. Two of our kids are doing really well, kind of making names for themselves. Not that the rest of them are doing poorly, but a couple of them are standing out among everyone else. Samuel Fagemo in Sweden is tied for second in overall points in the tournament so far. He has seven points in four games. The only person that he is trailing is Trevor Zegers, who is a Ducks prospect who has nine assists. He hasn't scored a goal yet, but he has turned into an assist machine for the United States. So Fagemo also leads the tournament in goals. He has six of them and has taken 26 shots on goal over four games. So that is quite a number of shots. He's averaging 16 minutes and 27 seconds of ice time. He, you know, he's not even getting the 20, 21, 22 minutes that we would see from a top line forward in the NHL or the AHL. He's playing a fairly average amount of ice time. Arthur Kaliev, despite somewhat limited usage, he is playing an average of 11 minutes and 8 seconds per game uh, and getting most of his time on the power play. He is right behind Fugamo in the scoring race. He has six points total over four games. He has four goals in that time span as well. He has 11 shots on goal and is proving what we all know. He will shoot the puck from anywhere. He will score from anywhere. And he is slowly starting to get more opportunities on the team to do that in in game action. Uh, the rest of the guys, Tobias Bjornfoot is being used in kind of a shutdown role, the coach of Sweden has said, uh, which is working out well for the Swedish team. They've only allowed eight goals in the tournament, which is the least out of all of the teams. Russia also has only allowed eight goals, so those teams are tied for the fewest goals allowed. Sweden was the only undefeated team, so some of that has to be thanks to our good boys' defense playing. Uh, He has no points in this time, which, like I said, is not a surprise given his shutdown role and the fact that he is more of a defensive defenseman in general. Uh, He has two shots on goal and is playing about 15 minutes and 34 seconds of time on average. Kim Nusjainen for Finland, he has one goal and two assists in four games. Aiden Dudas and Akil Thomas both getting kind of limited time for Canada. Dudas has no points. Thomas has one assist. So they are being good role players. They're not guys who are being asked to shoulder the offensive weight for the team, but they are one of only a handful of Canadian players who have yet to uh, really make too much of an impact. But they're out there doing their thing. Alex Turcott, his usage has still been absolutely like baffling in this tournament. He's averaging 12 minutes and 42 seconds. He hasn't really had too much of a chance to shine and show off his skills, but I think important to remember that he is still on the younger side for players in this tournament and that usually younger players, first-year players in these tournaments are not the guys who get a whole ton of opportunities. He has two assists in four games, seven shots on goal. One of his assists came on the eventual goal winner, a really nifty pass to Cole Caulfield when they won over the Czech Republic. Uh, And then our final Kings prospect to look out for is from the Czech Republic, Lucas Parikh. He got into two games for the Czechs. He saved 44 of 52 shots. Not great statistically, 0.846 save percentage, 6.17 goals against average. But the Czech Republic has basically seen injuries to pretty much all of their key players. Um, I think, you know, they've, they've lost a lot of really important guys to them, including Jacob Lauko, a Boston prospect, in the very first game on his very first shift. And he was someone who was looked to help carry the team through the tournament. They also lost Jan Yannick, who is a teammate of Arthur Kaliev's in the OHL. He was injured in kind of a really random play against the United States. And he is not only done for the tournament, but I believe that they've said his season is done in juniors as well. So Parikh doing the best that he can behind a team that has been struggling. And then Parikh got injured 
in the game against Canada. On Canada's fourth goal, it's not entirely clear what happened to him, but at the end of the sequence after Canada scored, he was just down on the ice in pain, couldn't get back up, needed help to get off the ice. So there haven't been any updates on him yet, so we don't really know the severity of his injury or what is going on, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that since the Czech Republic has avoided the relegation round and that they know that they are probably not going to beat Sweden, that they may may hold Perique out anyway, just to be on the safe side. Those are our kids. Sweden right now is looking phenomenal. And if you had to bet on who was going to win the tournament, I'd go with Sweden. But anything can change. We have seen ridiculous stuff happen in these tournaments. Last year, Canada getting knocked out very early, didn't even get to compete for a medal. We'll see much the same sort of situation in the USA versus Finland game, where one of those teams is not going to compete for a medal because they're going to get eliminated by by lunchtime tomorrow, you guys will know. All those games, again, air on the NHL Network. Um, if you're in Canada, I think it's on like every single channel possible. So you have plenty of opportunity to see all of our kids tomorrow playing in World Juniors as they all fight for medals for their country. Next on Locked on Los Angeles Kings, we're going to take a look at last night's win against the Flyers because that was pretty darn fun. So first, the biggest thing that came out of the game against the Flyers last night, aside from the fact that the Kings won, is that Curtis McDermott has gotten a little call from player safety. He'll have a hearing on Friday for an illegal check to the head on Ivan Provorov. It's a play that, you know, I think it depends on the angle that you look at it, whether or not you think that it was a an accident or worthy of a suspension or whatever. I will retweet a couple of gifs of the hit after the show goes up. And as I said on Twitter, my New Year's resolution is to actually tweet the things that I say on the show that I'm going to tweet a link or a resource to. So hold me to that, I guess. It's one of those plays that it feels almost as much as a reputation kind of call as it does, hey, you really shouldn't have hit that guy in the head, uh, given the number of much more blatant targeted head contact instances that we have seen this season from teams. And I'm not just talking about things that have happened to the Kings or involved them in some way, uh, but just in general across the league, we have seen a lot of guys go unpenalized and unfined and unwhatevered for hits that I think are worse and more blatant than, than this one. But there is one angle if you're looking at it straight on where his arm really does come into direct contact with Provorov's head. And my guess is going to be that player safety is going to say that he had the chance to avoid it because it's not like Provorov changed positions. It's not like he suddenly lowered himself and then was in in danger. He didn't move where his head was. If you watch him, he's just coming in a straight line and McDermott just plows into him. This is the same play where McDermott ends up in the Flyers bench. And then when he's trying to get back out of the bench, a couple of the Flyers players shove him onto the ice. So a lot of people thought there should have been a call on that as well. But there were no calls at all on the play. The official tweet from player safety doesn't specify that it's an in-person hearing. It just says a hearing. So the guess is that it's a phone hearing, which means it could result in a fine or a small suspension. If it was an in-person hearing, I believe they usually do specify that in their release. But we will see what happens with that. More information as things progress. The Kings don't play again until Saturday. They play the Predators home in Los Angeles. So 
player safety also clearly waiting until the last possible minute to have the hearing and hand down a decision on McDermott. Um, I think the Kings should probably just go ahead and plan like they're not going to have him in the lineup, which honestly, as he's someone who has been in and out of the lineup, isn't a huge loss to the Kings. Um, it's not like Drew Doughty getting a phone call or Anshay Kopitar getting a phone call from player safety. He is a guy that if he is suspended, whether or not you agree with the suspension or not, he's not in the lineup every game anymore. Anyway, so it's just one or two games or whatever that we have to go without him. I think things will be fine. But the Kings played the Flyers and they won, believe it or not, which I will say on the show yesterday, I did predict a Kings win. I got the score wrong. Um, but for a very brief moment, it seemed like the Kings were quite possibly going to follow the pattern that I had pointed out in yesterday's show. As I mentioned, all of their previous New Year's Eve games dating back to the 2010-11 season were games ending in final scores of either 3-2 or 4-1. So when the Kings jumped out to a 4-0 lead, I was like, huh, well, about that. And then when the Flyers scored in the second period, I was like, okay, well, that's sort of a bummer, but whatever. The score is 4-1. If we can just hang on and not let anything else happen, I'm psychic and the world is weird. That's not what happened, though. The Kings scored again. They got five goals. The Flyers had three goals. End result, Kings won. And that is really the most important part of this whole entire story. In this game, the Flyers technically kind of had better metrics. Um, Over the course of the game, they had 54.5. 6% Corsi 4. Uh, they had better shot quality, better high danger chances, more expected goals for than the Kings. But yet, if you look at the, th- this is one of those games where if you look at the eye test between the fancy stats and what you're actually looking at on the ice, I don't really think that anyone would have said that Philadelphia was the better team, except for maybe the last period where they outshot the Kings 11 to 4. That's all part of score effects of a team that is massively behind trying to push to get on the board. And then once they get on the board, having some hope and trying to push to get even more on the board. But all of the fancy numbers say the Flyers were generally the better team in that game. And so I think big thanks and kudos have to go out to Jonathan Quick, who just had one of those games where you were like, all right, buddy, I see you. He put on one of those performances that once he's kind of locked in, there's no stopping him. If you look at the period by period breakdown, despite the fact that the Kings scored four times in the first period, they definitely were behind in terms of the fancy stats. They had a 40% Corsi 4 rating. At even strength, they had two high danger chances for four total scoring chances versus 10 scoring chances seven high danger for the Flyers. Uh, The Kings just happened to be A, more opportunistic, and B, came up against Brian Elliott, who just did not necessarily have a great game and who didn't get the support in front of him uh, to really, truly help out the Flyers. And by then it was too late. So in the first period, like I said, four goals from the Kings. Cal Clifford got things started uh, on just one of those brilliantly Cal Clifford kind of plays, causing havoc, uh, got a great pass from Matt Luff, just right place, right time, wrecking ball at the net. And I feel like it's one of those plays where he and his line were underestimated because they are the fourth line. They're not, none of them known for being exceptional players. And 
they just got way too much time and space and were able to score on that play. Uh, the next shift, they sent Clifford and Luff and Amadio right back out there and they had really good scoring chances as well on that next shift. And like for a brief second, I just imagined a world with a Kyle Clifford hat trick and it was just like Christmas happened again. It was the greatest possible thing I could have ever imagined. Uh, we didn't get that, but it exists in my heart. A little over a minute later, Alex Iafalo scored on the power play. He redirected in and Anja shot. A couple minutes after that, Tyler Toffoli scored on the power play. He got up right in front of the nets and just had two, three, four whacks at the puck before he finally got it to go in. That was his 11th of the season. Uh, And then the Kings weren't done yet uh, because they took a penalty towards the end of the period, 17 minutes and 52 seconds into the period. And Curtis McDermott makes a good pass to get Blake Lazat out of the zone. Lazat and Kempe come racing down in a little give and go between them and Kempe ends up scoring shorthanded. It's his second shorthanded goal of the season. And I really like him with Blake Lazat. Lazat has kind of the speed to keep up with Kempe. He has the passing uh, and the IQ to get pucks where they need to go. And Kempe is freed up a little more to not have to be quite so defensively in the game now that he is a little more on the wing. So Kempe made it 4 nothing at the end of the first period. Flyers got on the board in the second. Justin Braun got kind of a weird shot that for a little while people thought that maybe someone else had deflected it in, but it ended up being credited to Braun. Anyway, third period, minute and 31 seconds in. Kings have another power play. They actually started that period on the man advantage. And Martin Furk, third goal in his third game for the Kings, uh, really showing off that sort of one-timer of his. And so he made it 5-1 for the Kings. The Kings had three power plays in this game. They scored all three times. So that also feels like a festivist miracle or something. So that was a lot of fun to see. I personally have seen a lot of Martin Furk over the years because he used to be mostly part of Detroit's organization being in the Midwest, you know, even though Detroit is in the Eastern Conference now, I still see a ton of Detroit. Grand Rapids is a team that comes and plays the Chicago Wolves a whole lot here. I saw Furk in the playoffs last season with Grand Rapids after he was up and down with Detroit. Um, and he's a player that I've always kind of liked. I think that he, you know, he has a great shot. He has pretty good smart. He's, you know, speedy, he has good hands, and he just has never really been able to put it together 100%. Uh, He was a healthy scratch a lot in Detroit on bad Detroit teams, even to the point where they sent him down on waivers. And that's kind of how he had his whole journey of getting claimed by Carolina for a couple games, put on waivers, claimed back by Detroit. Uh, But he's a player who I've seen a ton of over the years and have always really liked. And I'm kind of hopeful that like, maybe this is it. Maybe he is actually finally putting it together. And, you know, no, he's never going to be a first line player necessarily. But if, if he can continue to be put out in ways that give him success, and even if that is being more of kind of like a power play specialist, and if you're concerned about any sort of defensive abilities, I'm just really happy to see that he is getting another shot. And A, that he's getting another shot with the Kings, and B, that he might finally get it this time um, and develop into someone who is a good depth player and can help provide that scoring up and down the lineup, which is something that the Kings have pretty much always struggled with. Flyers added two goals in the third, including a power play goal, and then a goal very late uh, with about three minutes left to make it interesting. Quick was definitely like under barrage in the third period, but stood tall, made me nervous a whole lot whenever he does his like flailing rolling around the crease. But you know, that's Jonathan Quick. That's just who he is. And 
what his style is. But at the end of the day, he put on a really great performance and the Kings won five to three and ended 2019 with a bang. To finish today's show, we'll take a quick look at some thoughts from Todd McClellan and players on the team after that exciting win next on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So overall, Todd McClellan seemed really pleased with his team in this game, especially with the special teams. And, you know, he talked a lot about how he's seeing the things that they're working on in practice actually turn up in the game and seeing how they work to incorporate skills and tactics that they press them on in practice into actual real life situations. McClellan said after the game, they're picking things up and putting them into play the following day. And I look forward to a couple more practices this week. And I think that's the hard thing about things like their travel schedule recently, where it's been like travel day game, travel day game, travel day game, is that they don't really have a whole ton of time then to actually sit down and have a full practice and work on fundamentals and work on actually improving and not just, hey, getting your legs under you and stuff. So they had a really hard practice before the game uh, the day before. And now that they're going to have a little bit of time off and there's going to be a little more breathing room in the schedule, uh, they'll be able to have some more time to have those sort of fulsome practices that McClellan kind of thought was so important in this game's success. You know, McClellan also talked about the start for the Kings because a slow start has been something that has plagued the Kings not only this season, but year after year after year. And it also seems like kind of much like how I talked yesterday about how there's the perception that like you're team always allows first career NHL goals. And that's usually more of a perception than actual reality. And the slow start could also be kind of in that zone as well. Uh, McClellan said that the biggest difference was really that the puck went in the net. So thank you to Brian Elliott and to the Philadelphia Flyers for that one. McClellan continued by saying, there's been some nights that we've had better starts, in my opinion, than we even had tonight, and the puck didn't go in the net. Just the ability to finish and get a few by the goaltender is important. But for the most part, I think during the year we've played on our toes, we've got after teams. The start is often brought up, McClellan says, when we're behind a goal or two, And often that's an individual mistake or a quick breakdown in our zone, but that doesn't surmise the start as a whole. It's an individual mistake or a moment, and it puts us behind the eight ball. I believe over time we can clean that up. And I think that that is a really good summary of what we're seeing. It's not necessarily from puck drop players just being disengaged or disinterested or not thinking things through or not playing well. It has been mistakes or a system breakdown or just some sort of unexpected thing. And then it becomes more about how do the Kings stop the other team from having that momentum keep rolling than it is about the fact that they started poorly and now have to play catch up. It's It's been, it hasn't necessarily been the oh, we played really bad from the start. Uh, The Kings are almost always out shooting the other team. They are usually driving possession. They just happen to have a couple quick mistakes and suddenly they're behind. And that is the kind of stuff that does need to change, that does need to be uh, pulled out of the game. They need to eliminate those mistakes and those breakdowns that are leading to early goals against. But this game was a good sign that they can start quickly and can maintain that pressure. And even though they did end up giving up three goals, one of them was on the power play. They weren't goals that were given up because the Kings suddenly were like, 
oh crap, how do we, we have a lead, we don't know what to do, or because they were sitting back and just waiting to see what happened. The Kings did continue to press. They did continue to really fight in this game, even when they were up for nothing. Credit to the Flyers for pulling their games together and not allowing the game to run away any more than it already had. Uh, And credit to the Kings for not sitting back and trying to play defense for 40 minutes. Uh, They did continue to keep shooting and to keep trying to generate chances. So that that was something that I personally liked to see as well. Uh, McClellan talks about how every game is important and that games like this are important to see that the team can continue moving forward and that they can improve and that there's always something to learn and there's always something that can be changed or made better for a future game. Um, McClellan talked about that the team is not just going to be happy with the moral victories and they're not going to just be happy with the hey, look, we're performing better now than we were before. Um, and that they, if they, if they weren't, if they weren't concerned with that, and if they weren't concerned with how do we go up from here, that they would have just quit. AKA, they would have done what they did last season. Like I said, no one on that team is going to admit that they quit last season, but they quit last season. They, they, there was not any push or any urgency or any difference in their game last season that made me think that they were trying their very best every single day to get better and improve and better their place and their standings as a team. You know, I don't think that that is what we had last season. Last season, we had like a frustrated group with poor leadership from the coaching aspect of it. And this year, we actually have a coach who is teaching, a coach who is helping to build this team back up. And so, yes, the question of playoffs keeps coming up because it is sort of a tight division. The Pacific is not great. And the Kings theoretically could go on some sort of crazy run in February. And, you know, the, the Blues set a terrible precedent for everyone last season by emerging from their, you know, weird chrysalis of badness into being a good competitive team and winning the Stanley Cup. And so now everyone is like, oh, well, your team is starting to show that they don't stink. Can they do it too? Can they make the playoffs? Like, I don't think that should be part of the conversation. McClellan, of course, has to talk about it and say, you know, perhaps we can go on a run. Perhaps we can prove that we can get there. But really just the learning and the improvement every night and every period and every shift has been the most important part of this season. And it's games like yesterday's where the Kings weren't necessarily the the better team the whole game, but they got off to such a good start that they walked away with the win. Um, It's games like that that I think are really important for this team's growth. So Kings win five to three and 2019 in the best possible way. And now look forward to 2020, where they will take on the Nashville Predators on Saturday. So over the course of the rest of this week, we will, of course, take some time to preview that game on Friday. We'll check in with other news and events and stuff from around the league. And of course, continue to keep an eye on World Juniors as we wait to see what all of our lovely children have done. So all of that is coming up later this week on Locked on Los Angeles Kings. For now, though, that's it. We've That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out with me on New Year's Day. You can find me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on LA Kings. Give me a follow one place, both place, whatever makes you happy. Uh, make sure you never miss a show or any sort of fun information as we go forward through 2020. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to this show. Go 
look around in whatever app you're listening to and make sure that big subscribe button is clicked. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. And of course, tell a friend all about it. Your New Year's resolution should be to make a friend listen to this show. Even if they don't like the Kings, come listen anyway. I might say something weird or funny or awkward. It'll be an adventure for all of us. So thank you for listening. As always, I love to hear from you. So tweet at me with your questions, your comments, things you want to have discussed on the show. And I would be glad to talk about that with you on the show. So we'll see you tomorrow on Locked on Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.